Welcome to Speaking On Demand, a podcast that breaks down the keynote speaking marketplace with speaker interviews, industry trends, and agent insights. I'm your host, Aaron Rayberg, speaker agent for Capital City Speakers Bureau. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Speaking On Demand. The weather may be cooling off, but the keynote speaking market, at least the virtual market, is starting to heat up. We are starting to see more and more inquiries, more folks and meeting planners are reaching out to inquire about bringing speakers into their next virtual and in-person event. And for that, I am, am extremely excited, but not as excited as I am to sit down with Patrick Houlihan, who is today's conversation. Patrick has had a 27-year distinguished career in the United States Marine Corps and graduated Top Gun. Um, Patrick speaks on the topics of leadership, change management, debriefing, executive coaching, effective planning, and organizational development. And a lot of speakers who lost a good book of their business when COVID hit in March went from all these events on the calendar to you know, trying to pivot and figure out how what they were going to do to make an income this year. And Patrick has stayed extremely busy, uh, shifting to a lot of consulting jobs and helping other businesses navigate these challenging times. Patrick, one thing that's great about him is he doesn't just have the military experience. He is also an entrepreneur. So in today's conversation, uh, we're going to talk about one of the biggest misses in corporate America today. So one of the biggest gaps around leadership. So stay tuned and check that out. In addition, Patrick will plug his product, his entrepreneurial product, and talk about some of the struggles that he's had and how he's overcome them through COVID-19. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Patrick Lips Houlihan. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking On Demand. Today's guest is Patrick Lips Houlihan, who spent 27 years in the Marine Corps as a Top Gun fighter pilot, both active duty and reserve. Patrick, thank you for your service and welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. So before we get into any serious questions or any meat of the conversation, I got to ask you about your call sign, Patrick Lips Houlihan. Where, where did that come from? Is there a fun story behind that? Uh, not as funny as some stories. You, you get a call sign because it, uh, it either matches your last name, um, it matches some sort of physical characteristic, or you've done something incredibly stupid and your friends want to remind you of it for the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my call sign story, my last name's Houlihan. There was a show in the 1970s, a movie that turned into a sitcom called MASH, and there was a character, her name was Hot Lips. And so <laughs> Hot Lips Houlihan was pretty easy. When I walked into my first squadron, uh, primary flight school, I'm literally in the building for five seconds. I can either turn right or turn left. An instructor walks up to me and says, you knew? And I'm like, yes, sir. He looks down at my name tag, looks up and goes, it's down that way, Hot Lips. I get oh, down to the man. classroom, completely different instructor. There's seven or eight of us in the classroom. New instructor walks in, takes out a list. He's calling roll. Smith here, Jones here. He pauses. Hot lips, Houlihan here. So I, I was pegged the second I walked in the door. So did you, so like, did that catch you by surprise at all? 
Uh, not really. Yeah. I, mean, I, had, I had seen a rerun of MASH once or twice. You know, if you got a last name of Spears, you might be called Brittany. Um, so it's just, it just comes with the territory. But I got shortened to lips, thank God. Yeah. No, and it, and it actually works really well now that uh, you've got this great speaking career going because you, you can give a lot of lip service to the audience. So I, I think it works really well for you. <laughs> yeah, no pun intended, right? Right, right, right. So tell us, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience in the Marine Corps. You, didn't you fly like a bunch of several different aircrafts? And um, tell us a little bit about your journey. You don't need to go into any specifics, but just kind of curious to get some highlights from you. Yeah, so I, I spent about 12 years on active duty. Uh, flew the F-18 Hornet. It's the uh, same airplane that the Blue Angels fly, if you've ever seen a, the Blue Angels at an air yep. show. Uh, and um, that was a, an absolutely fabulous time, career. Went to Top Gun. I did two deployments to the Western Pacific at that time. Uh, I transitioned out of the Marine Corps. I moved from San Diego back to Kansas City, where I was from. I actually flew the A-10 Warthog with the Air Force Reserves. Uh, which is a great airplane, uh, ended up back in San Diego a couple of years later. So I ended up back in the Marine Corps Reserves, back in the F-18, and I did that for uh, uh, about another eight years. Uh, two more deployments, one to Iraq, and another one out to the Western Pacific. So it was, a, it was just a great experience and very lucky and blessed and fortunate to have been able to do that. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you so much for all of your service. I mean, what a what an amazing career. And now you're, you're doing a lot of great things with consulting to businesses, uh, keynote speaking, getting people motivated. So I'm curious to hear, how did you transition from the military career into more of like the speaking and consulting and some of the business ventures that you're up to right now? Yeah, actually, um, it, was, it ended up being a very natural progression. One of them, the most rewarding things that I did as a fighter pilot was not you know, graduating from Top Gun or landing on the back of an aircraft carrier at night, it was actually when I was an instructor. So I was an instructor on active duty for about almost four years. And then when I came back as a reservist, I spent a lot of my time as an instructor there as well. So teaching new pilots in the F-18, uh, the concepts, the tactics, the techniques, the procedures, turning on the light bulb, seeing them do well was, was really something that I gravitated towards. So when I left active duty, uh, I was just drawn to that teaching consulting mindset. Uh, so the first job, the first organization I worked for, we took the principles and concepts that we used as, as pilots and applied them to the business world. Um, a goal is a target. Uh, threats and obstacles, I mean, it's very similar, um, probably more similar than people think in how you set up a plan, how you build a strategy, uh, and then at the end of the day, how you debrief and how applicable that is to the business environment, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, it sounds like a, a nice natural progression. And it sounds like you definitely found a passion and a love for teaching and training. Um, so that's, that's great. I mean, continue to give back and do that. How, so what, what are the differences between coaching and teaching of your normal business audience versus teaching a top gun school, which I would imagine would be quite a few, maybe type A personalities, a little bit more <laughs> difficult to work with. Uh, what are some of the nuances there? Uh, the, great question. There are more similarities than there are differences. Um, I mean, some of the differences, you know, for the most part, your, your audience in the military has to be there and they can't get up and leave. <laughs> okay. Uh, in, Fair in the point. In world, whether you're delivering a keynote, you're doing a, uh, 
uh, a workshop, for the most part, they could probably just get up and leave. Um, but the similarity between the both is you have to, you have to hold their, the audience's attention uh, and you have to provide something that's of worth. Uh, if you're just repeating what's on the slide or what's in the manual or droning on, you're going to lose people and, and you can see it. And especially in today's day and age where you can just whip out a cell phone, uh, you can tell, you know, when, when people are doing the, uh, I'm, I'm at church look, cause they're oh, yeah. leaned yeah. over looking into their cell phone, like they're praying. Right. <laughs> uh, you can see it very quickly. And so the, the challenge and, and actually a way that I rate myself is, um, do I have any of those? Uh, does anybody look down? And as, as long as you are, enthusiastic about what you're delivering, you know what you're delivering, and it's going to provide worth at the end of the day, and it's gonna make their lives better. Um, whether you're learning how to fly an airplane or you're learning how to reach a sales goal, if you're doing those things, uh, then you're, you're, you're hitting the mark. Gotcha. So, so you joined a group um, called the Afterburners, which a lot of, I think a lot of our meeting planners and clients would be familiar with them. It's a pretty popular, group that can be brought in for motivational and for leadership seminars. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your decision to join that group. And then um, what, what did it take to earn your stripes as one of the lead presenters? Because I, I do have a lot of respect for that group and they, we've booked them over the years. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. It, interestingly enough, when I was leaving active duty, I was looking around at what I wanted to do because you're just not starting a new career. I mean, it is a complete life change. You're going from a very tight-knit group, club, team, if you will, and, and you're transitioning out into the, the big world. Um, and when I looked at it, and I was like, well, there's pretty much, I, I can do pretty much anything except maybe brain surgery and, and build rockets, but anything else I want to do, I could accomplish. And one of the things uh, that I started thinking of, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal about the Wharton School of Business sending their MBA candidates to officer candidate school to learn about leadership and we'll do that. And then in my research, I had found that someone had gotten to, to it uh, about eight years prior uh, and, and started Afterburner. So it just, it became a natural, you know, well, I'll just step right over. Uh, and, nice. And, that team. and so, I mean, that way, I guess you keep a, a nice camaraderie or group of professionals, you know, that way you kind of had that like the quote unquote club and didn't have to completely go out on your own. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all shared with the same experiences, but it was the same idea of providing something uh, back to our clients. And your, your second question was earning your stripes. You know, how, yeah. how do you move up the, uh, how did I move up the ranks? And I think uh, really three things, preparation. Uh, I, I have, and still do today, approach every presentation, workshop, client call, debrief, absolutely prepared. I would never jump in a $30 million airplane that the taxpayers are letting me use and not be prepared. And in the same vein, I would never step in front of a client not being 100% prepared, knowing who they are, where they're from, who's in the audience, um, what are their touch points, how to, how to reach them, how to convey the message and make it make sense. Uh, with that being said, the ability to connect with the audience. Uh, I, I, I give credit to my mother because uh, she can make friends with anybody. Uh, and she, that's how I was raised. But um, it doesn't matter the background or the business. Um, 
or, or the individual. I'm always looking for a way to, to make them feel comfortable and to connect. And then finally, uh, as I mentioned before, it's leaving some tangible uh, concepts or processes, steps that uh, individuals can take, businesses can take and improve what they're doing. And so with focusing on those three things, uh, I was able to quickly rise uh, in those ranks and become one of the, one of the featured speakers. Yeah, and, and you've been doing such a nice job now that uh, you're out on your own, you're consulting other businesses. We were talking last week a little bit about how challenging things have been in the speaking marketplace and in our industry with basically virtual opportunities being the only thing out there. And uh, I, was, I was really excited to hear how well you've been doing. Um, sounds like you've been earning quite a few consulting jobs. Talk a little bit about how you're engaging with, with companies right now. What, maybe it's not a keynote, but what are some of the things that you're doing to stay busy? Um, because I, I know, that, know that you've been busy and doing a lot of good work. Yeah, so one of the things when I started Strategic Leadership Consultants, uh, I, I thought about you know, what's, what's this organization going to do? And it's, I came up with it's going to build inspired, compassionate, mission-driven leaders. You have to be inspired, inspired your team. You have to show compassion as a leader. Um, but at the same time, you have to be mission-driven. So there are some organizations that talk about leadership with no process. There are other organizations that talk about process but don't tie it together with the leadership. And we do both. We do all those because they are so intertwined. With respect to COVID and the consulting piece, I think that's what has really carried me through and allowed me to continue to work. Uh, I just went from on stage or <clears throat> in a classroom or a meeting room to, to the computer, and it was really um, providing not only a, a process like debriefing, but also the leadership of how you need to work through that process so the, the team and the organization can get maximum results. And, and that really carried me through uh, just not even doing webinars, which I've done a number of those, but also doing hardcore, you know, individual or organizational development work within organizations as well. One of the things that I know you are super passionate about is the art of the debrief. So oh, yeah. it's one of those things where I, I, I spent about, I don't know, 12 years in corporate America and I worked for a few different organizations that were fairly feedback rich. So, you, you know, you did get a lot of feedback. You did check in with your leaders pretty often. However, I feel that that connection and that debrief is, is something that is oftentimes glossed over and missed opportunities. Um, I'm not sure if it's for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's, you know, not enough time. Everyone's too busy, but let's get into that concept of the debrief. And why do you think that that's such a miss out there in corporate America and in the business world? All right. So I'm going to truncate this a little bit because this could be an hour or three hour long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's truncate. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to give you the cliff note versions of it or the, uh, the Twitter version. Um, why don't organizations debrief? Uh, number one is time. They don't think they have the time. Then they go out doing the exact same things, expecting different results, which is the definition of insanity. And then they spend all their time and rework and trying to catch back up when if they had simply put it into their operational cycle, made it part of their corporate DNA and planned for debriefing on a regular basis, they could fix things before they even happen. Not only when things go wrong, but when you're successful, because you will find things that you could do just a little more efficient. Um, the other thing is egos. 
um, our attitudes. People don't want to fess up and make mistakes because leaders haven't set that safe, open and honest environment within the debrief. So those are really two reasons why organizations don't debrief. Uh, but the effects and the outcome of having an open, honest uh, environment, um, it's just eye-watering. It, you will accomplish things uh, that you never thought you could, both individually, personally, and, and organizationally. You'll knock it out of the park. And I've seen it happen. I was working with a medical, one of the top medical uh, equipment companies. Uh, they do implants, things of that nature, things that go in your knees and neuromodulation devices and the teams that I worked with in the cardio side, the neuro side, the gastronaut, they just started crushing it because they were having regular debriefs. And as a team, uh, they were building new processes. The other underlying thing that happens is it breaks down those walls through communication. You know, I, I mentioned as a team, you really become a team, not just a team because you were thrown together, but because of a team of how you operate, communicate, and you're mutually supportive of each other. It, debriefing is by far the most important thing any organization can do. I had, a, uh, I had a boss that I worked for. His name is Casey Fry. Hopefully he's listening to this. The guy was so good and consistent on his debriefing. And when I worked for Casey, I was sort of new to the business-to-business -business sales world. So I probably needed it more than some of the other people in the room. Um, but I really found that he, his, his goal wasn't to grill me or to find out something that I did wrong. Uh, he wanted to help me win. He wanted to help me make more money. And because of that, that open line of communication, that trust and never compromising, didn't matter if we, you know, we were short on time or if we needed to do something else, we right. did not compromise on that debrief. It was every single week. I don't know, different frequencies probably work for different groups, but I've, I've been a product of that for a couple of years and I, I can really attest to it being effective. Yeah, if you're in an operating room, you should debrief after every procedure. If you're a pilot flying an airline, you should debrief after every flight. If you're in the sales world, if it's a big presentation debrief, it may be an end of the week. So it, it, the cycle depends on the organization, but I think you, Aaron, you hit it on the head. Debriefing is a teaching and a learning opportunity. That's it. It's not where you go play whack-a-mole at Chuck E. Cheese and you beat people up and let them walk out. It is a teaching and learning opportunity. And if it's brought to an organization and um, infused in that way, it, it'll have monumental impact on, on the performance. Totally agree. I, I think it's a great topic. And it's after hearing a lot of different keynote speakers reviewing their material, it, it's not something that you get a ton of content, a ton of focused content from mm -hmm. hardly anyone else out there. So I, th I mean, I think that's one of the things that makes you unique and it's a great topic um, for a variety of audiences. Yeah, it's something I live by as a fire pilot. I mean, we just, you just debrief. You just did it, yeah. <laughs> you just had to. Well, I, every, time I, every time I recommend you to clients, I always lead with the, the military background, the Top Gun fighter pilot. But one of the areas that I've started to highlight recently with clients is that you're not, don't just have the that career in the military. You're also an entrepreneur. Yes. And I, I'm not sure trade secrets or anything like that, Patrick, but um, you know, you're, you're working on kind of like a, a little medical device. And I think it's, it's so unique because not only do you have the leadership experience, but now um, you've got this business experience that you're going through, not just your speaking, but also on the inventive side. 
Um, so it just kind of gives a lot of depth to what you bring to the table. So what have you learned? And I guess, what have you learned as an entrepreneur and what advice would you give others that are trying to start a business, whether it's a side hustle or they're all in with it? Yeah. Um, I don't want to do a shameless plug of the business, but uh, <laughs> go for it. I don't care. I just didn't, I didn't know if it was like trade yeah, secret. No, 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 no. Absolutely. So, the, so the business it's, it's called uh, NECX and that's N E C K X. And that's shortened for neck exercising. Um, the genesis of it is that 90% of all fighter pilots will have a disability with their neck when they're done at the end of their career. Uh, my business partner, he played football at Ohio State and, or the Ohio State. Um, he's a little bit older, but he's got a, now he has a three, C3, three, four, five, and six fusion. So we both had neck issues. Yep. And through our own rehabilitation and attempts to relieve neck pain, we came up with the device, which is simply a, a cap that you feed exercise bands through that can do so much. Um, uh, it's patented. And we're actually, we have sales in the U.S. military, the Australian, the Italian, and hospitals, sports teams, and everything else. So my experience from an entrepreneur standpoint is that I've had to deal with building the website, search engine optimization, marketing, sales, contracts, dealing with uh, um, supplying and, and, and uh, acquiring the product, it, just the whole gamut. You know, when you got two of you, you're doing everything and, and you learn quite a lot. Um, most of all to be resilient, which I think is something we can all hook our hats on today is that no you have to be resilient. Uh, but it's just staying focused and, you know, walking into uh, an athletic, you know, the, the university of Texas or walking into um, Houston Memorial hospital and dealing with doctors and, and their changing schedules and, and educating Go back to educating. I mean, it's the same as consulting. But I think the most important thing is having something that actually helps people. Um, when I look at strategic leadership consultants and what we do there, we're trying to help people improve their business lives. When I look at NECX, we were trying to solve our own neck pain, but now we're trying to help others either negate or mitigate um, how they hurt their necks or the recovery from it. So it, it's just having something if you have an idea that actually solves a problem, not, not you're creating a problem, but you're trying to help people out, then I think you'll have a, a successful uh, idea. Congratulations on that. I mean, it definitely, you know, we've talked about your business before. I think it's a terrific idea and uh, best of luck and best of continued success with that. Um, so you probably remember the first time that we got a chance to work together was kind of like a high alert call from me to you saying, Mm -hmm. I've got a client that had a speaker cancel and here's the specific topic, Patrick, can you do it? And uh, you said, yes, I can. Uh, and, and to your credit, you talked a little bit about preparedness, the steps that you took during that, that process um, to connect with that client, talk to a couple people that were going to be in the audience and better understand them. I know that that presentation topic was not a 100%, you know, shoe in fit to what you normally do. The impressive thing was with less, what did, what did we have? Two days notice or three days notice? We were able to put an agreement together, get, get you on the phone with that client and hash through what, what the objectives needed to be. And you came in and you delivered a fantastic presentation on no notice. So that says a lot about your willingness to, to work, to prepare, to deliver for the audience. I don't know if you have any uh, 
you know, that that's not how we want to do all of them, Patrick, but that just, that showed me right there. Okay. I trust this guy. He, he does a great job and I'm going to recommend him with confidence going forward. So thank yeah, you for you that. Know, Aaron, that, that goes through to anything that you're going to doing. I mean, if you're, if you're selling 401ks or medical equipment or, or it doesn't matter what you're doing, you have to know your customer, you have to know your audience and you have to be over prepared. I have actually had now, this gentleman had a smile on his face, but at the end of a presentation, I'm standing at the back like I always do. I never leave. I'm, I'm not the, you know, the, the presenter that does the presentation out the door. I will hang around if it's in the morning till lunch. If it's in the afternoon, I'll hang around till the evening dinner to talk. Uh, but I actually had a gentleman once upon a time come up to me and start quizzing me on some of the company-specific terms that I used to see oh if God. I actually knew what they were. And he was smiling. He was, you know, it was kind of like, okay, let's see if this guy really knows. And after I got done answering them, he looked at me and went, holy cow, you know more about my organization than I do. <laughs> um, and it, that's how I treat all the clients. Because at the end of the day, when I'm talking about debriefing or, or crisis action planning or leadership, it's not the audience's uh, responsibility to interpret and make it make sense in their world. That's my responsibility. It should make sense the second it leaves my mouth or when I'm doing a workshop or consulting, they should understand right away how they can apply it. So in terms of preparation, it's the same process. In our situation, it was shortened by a whole lot, right? Um, but it's still the same steps I take with everybody. Um, kind of like getting prepared to go on a combat flight. You know, you, you just, you don't leave things to chance because when you do eventually um, you're, you're not going to come home or you're, no, not I don't know anything about, I don't know anything about that, but I, I, I'm sure as hell sure I would prepare as much as possible for that. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just part of my DNA now. So. Yeah. Um, so Top Gun 2 coming out next year. Are you interested? Yes or no? <laughs> I saw Top Gun 1 when I was 16. Top Gun Maverick. Uh, it, like, like any movie, if you're a lawyer and you watch a lawyer movie, it's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. If you're a doctor, you, you know, after I started flying, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And there are some <laughs> scenes that are pretty cool. It, I'm interested. I'm going to yeah. watch it. Good. Um, okay. I've, I'm glad. I, I'm interested too. Yeah, I'm definitely going to, that would, that's a theater movie that will probably go to the theater. Um, hopefully not in a, you know, a full bio suit to avoid COVID, but uh, yeah, I'm, we'll see. It'll be interesting. What are your thoughts on the lecture and meetings industry in 2021? Any predictions for us? Yeah, I, I think, I hate to say it, but I think everybody's becoming more comfortable with operating in this environment. Not, not just the meetings industry, but, but companies as well. Um, you know, it's kind of the, the simple rules, wear a mask, wash your hands, kind of stay away from people, don't kiss strangers. Um, you know, everything you're taught since you were in fifth grade, really. Um, I, I think companies will, will get to the point where they want to start getting people together, even in a dispersed environment. They, there will be a hybrid, there will be virtual as well for those who can't or, or don't want to travel. Um, if there is a vaccine and once that comes out, you know, I've been vaccinated against everything. So um, not that I'm going to take a risk to go get COVID, but I think I, I would do okay, but I'm going to get the vaccine. And once that comes out and, and people are comfortable with it, I see organizations wanting to get back together. Yeah. Uh, okay. Video is great. 
for the quick meetings, but just to bring the team together, you, we're humans and humans like to be around each other. And there's just so much more. And as soon as that comes back, you know, I, I think people are just going to gravitate to it. And, and I see it taking off. I talk to a lot of, not a lot, but I've talked to all different companies across the spectrum from, you know, we're not going to meet in person for another year to we want to get together in person now, Q4, Q1, and how can we make that happen and doing everything possible because they understand what's at stake. If their employees aren't engaged and feeling like they're a part of the team, uh, the, the race for talent, I mean, there's people leaving jobs, making a lot of life changes right now. So the race, not just to acquire good talent, but to hold on to good talent, uh, it, it's getting real competitive. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I talk about, and uh, in, in some of the uh, blog posts I've put out and, and some of the webinars I've done, I talk about crisis action leadership and crisis planning. And one of the, one of the things on the leadership side is you cannot lose sight of, that, of the recovery. This will pass. And it, maybe it's January, maybe it's March, but it's going to pass. And if you are just heads down, struggling as hard as you can, but you're not looking up, thinking about that long-term um, result, then there are other people who are, and they're going to come out of it much better. So yeah, you, you got to be operating in sprints right now because things are dynamic and they're changing. Yep. But, but you need to have some foresight and, and somebody on your team going, okay, when we come out of this, we need to be positioned in this way. So when it happens, you're right there. It's like surfing. You know, you can't be at the back of the wave. You want to be on the front. Um, so you got to be looking out to the, to the ocean, out into the horizon and see what's coming. Not yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a good analogy because you're right. It, it, we all hope and, and dream that it's going to pass sooner than later. Who's going to be ready for it? It's a good reminder on that. Patrick, how can people, how can people follow you? Social, do you have any social media handles or website that you want to share? Uh, yeah. Um, my website is strategicleadershipconsulting.com. I know it's real long, but, uh, um, and then you can find me uh, on, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as well. <laughs> Um, and then if you want to get in contact with me, you go to my website, you can reach out to me there or, or everybody call Aaron and he'll give me a ring. I know, I know how to get at you within seconds. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you want to share with us, man, I really appreciate you taking some time in between consulting gigs today to jump on the podcast. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah. I, I think the one message I would have for everybody, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of professional and personal struggles. I think we all have. I think this pandemic has hit everybody right, right in between the eyes. Um, but don't give up. You know, you got to be resilient. If, if you're leading a team, don't let your team give up as individuals. You know, this stinks, but ask the question, what's next? And, and, and figure out where, where that opportunity is, because you can't always look at the bad things. Look for the opportunities and, and fight towards that. And, and I think as individuals, as companies, as a nation, uh, as a world, we're gonna we'll come out of this better if we just if we keep struggling and we keep fighting. So don't give up. Great message, Patrick. Always great to talk with you. Thanks for coming on Speaking on Demand. We'll have to have you on again. I look forward to working with you on some upcoming keynotes and consulting jobs in the near future. Take care, partner. Right. Thank you, Aaron. Take care. That's all for this episode of Speaking On Demand. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Patrick Houlihan. I certainly always love talking with Patrick. I always learn something. 
If you are looking for a virtual speaker on the topics of leadership, Patrick would be a great person to engage for your upcoming event. Give me a call. Find me on social media. Let's do some business. And I look forward to helping you with your next event. To hire a speaker for your next meeting or event, contact me at area code 217-855-6909, call or text. You can also follow me on Twitter at Aaron Rayberg and check out my LinkedIn profile at linkedin.com slash in slash Aaron Rayberg.